So I have something really serious. I, I, I know we like to laugh here, but this is no laughing matter, okay? So I've got something very serious. This is the year of declaration. It's the year of declaration. I'll, we need to decree, we need to declare something today that's very important to me because this, this Sunday is March, okay? And March is a significant month for me, okay? So what I want you to do, okay, we're going to break this up on this decree in this side of the church right here, middle aisle over. All right, everybody with me? You say, here we go. That's all I need you to say. On three. One, two, three. Here we go. Yeah, louder. Thank you. This side over here, all right? I want you to say flyers on three. One, two, three. Flyers. Are you ready? Here we go. Here we go. Flyers. Here we go. Flyers. Man, you guys, you got, I, need, I need passion. I need passion here. We're declaring this into the heavenlies. You guys don't understand. This is the heaven. Here we go. Ready? All right, here we go. Here we go, Flyers. I'm ready, man. We're third in the country. I am so stoked. If anyone doesn't know, I graduated from the University of Dayton. I played basketball there, and so they're ranked third in the country. If you don't pick them in your bracket to win the whole thing, you you need to leave the church. You've got to find a different church. March Madness. I didn't want to give it away. It's March Madness. There's a little mayhem stuff that happens in my household, so I will be doing the Dayton Flyer fly thing. Whew. I know, that was serious. Amen, back to reality here. So, so we're on this series called Victorious, right? And we've been learning about how do we walk victorious. We've been following Christ. We've been watching how we're going through six tests of Christ all the way from the beginning of his ministry all the way through to the cross. Right? And how did Jesus navigate these tests? How did these trials, these tribulations, these things that he had to endure while he was here? Right? And we're trying to follow in his footsteps as followers of Christ, as, as believers in Jesus. Right? We're his disciples. And so we're called to follow in Jesus' footsteps. Right? To do what Jesus did. And so we're learning how to navigate these tests and to walk victorious just like Jesus did when he walked on the face of the earth. There's, I wanted to just read a couple scriptures about trials because I think it's so important that we etch this into our minds of what our expectations in life about these tests and trials, okay? In uh, 2 Timothy 3.12, or 3.12, it says this, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in, in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, will be persecuted. So if you're desiring to live a godly life, you can expect what? You can expect persecution, right, for your faith. As we walk on this planet, there's going to be tests and trials and tribulations that we're going to have to endure. Psalm 34 says it this way, many are the afflictions of the righteous. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. But the Lord delivers him out of them all. I love that scripture. That's a great promise, right? Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers us out of them all. In Romans, it says it this way. Paul describes it. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. 
and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. More than that, we rejoice in our sufferings. It says we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So we rejoice, right, in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character, and character produces hope, right? So we are built up, right, in our, in our, in our new, as new creations. Paul talks about pressing on to, to the perfection of Jesus Christ. We are perfected, we are honed, we are strengthened in character as we navigate these trials and tribulations. And Christ is formed in us as we go through these with faith. Romans says this in, in, in uh, 8.28, and we know that all things, now we need to look at that Greek because that Greek is really important there, all. What, it, what, is, all, what is that word? It means all. Right? That's what it means. It means all. All things. Oops. Calm down. All things work together for good to those who love God and to those who are called according to his purpose. So God has this ability to take every trial, every tribulation, everything that the enemy can throw at us, and he works it all together for our good. That's amazing. That means we always win. right? No matter what card we're dealt or what hand we're dealt, we always win. We're always victorious. Now, I love, uh, we just recently went to a More Love, More Power conference, and we got to see one of my favorite pastors. He's a vineyard pastor in Oklahoma. His name's Brian Blount. And um, just to give you a little background about Brian and tribulations, I think it's really applicable. Brian, within like about a month time frame, had uh, these three experiences. He had an esophagus disease that he was experiencing. He was in extreme pain. Um, his son goes from a normal kid basically and becomes completely disabled in a day's time. Like he had, he had this like virus or thing and it attacked the chemistry of his brain. And he basically is completely disabled, cannot talk. He's like a 12-year-old son, no longer can talk. He's kicking and screaming. He's completely just loses it, okay? They can't figure out what's going on, and that, that took a long time to, to process and go through. And then his mom comes up with stage 4 cancer. All in, the, in that time, and in the midst of all of that, you know what God speaks to him? Heal the sick. The Lord speaks to him and says, go and heal the sick. And he's like, what? Right? How do I heal the sick when I'm just like, I'm, I, you know, when I'm just riddled with, with sickness and pain and suffering and all those kinds of things? But the Lord says, go and heal the sick. And Brian developed this posture of um, being a wounded healer, going out into the world and everywhere he went, he takes the message. Right? He wrote this book called Putting Jesus on Display. And I love this book because Brian has learned to take advantage of every situation and every circumstance and every test or trial because he knows that God can work it all together for good. And I'll give you an example of that. He was in a hospital room, and um, the hospital room was a mess. It was like it was tore up. There was all kinds of things wrong with it. The heater thing wasn't working and uh, whatnot. And so he tried to call the front desk. They wouldn't listen to him, you know, and, you know, he's getting frustrated and he's getting all this is kind of going on. 
Uh, long story short, he ends up finding the facility guy, and the facility guy's yes, we'll get you to a different mood room, excuse me. And in the process of all of this taking place, right, God works all things together. They encounter a maid at this new room where they're going to, right? So in this, this test, he encounters this maid, and he overhears this maid talking about her shoulder or some part of her body that was really in pain. So she ends up, he ends up praying for her, realizing and seeing the invitation of God in that moment, right? In that test or that trial or that uncomfortable circumstance of having to have a bad room and getting switched to a new room, he encounters this lady, and he prays for her. She ends up getting completely healed in that situation. Brian has also learned, like many times when he's, when, like when appliances goes down, his big thing is he gets on the phone with these customer service people and he goes, okay, God's pro- this is an invitation from the Lord to pray for this person on the phone. And so he prays for people on the phone because he knows that this is, where, this is God's leading. This is God working all things together. Every circumstance, every situation, God is in the midst of it, working it together to re- bring his kingdom into that circumstance. How many of us respond like that? I'm, I'm, I'm pulling my hand down on that. Right? It should change our perspective. Brian has learned how to deal with suffering and in the midst of the suffering, release the kingdom of God. So today, what I want to talk to you about is the test of rejection or the test of betrayal. We talked about first the test of identity, then um, Josh talked about the test of power and authority, and today I want to talk to you about the test of rejection, the test of, of betrayal, and this is a hard one. This is a hard one. Now let me do this for me. Raise your hand if you have experienced some level of rejection. Yeah, everybody in this room, right? Everybody in this room, Right? We've all experienced or have had uh, rejection has impacted our lives. And what we're going to do is I want to look at Jesus, all right? We're going to go through some situations with Jesus. And, and Jesus was rejected. Almost everywhere Jesus went, Jesus was rejected. It began in his hometown, right? He starts his ministry. He comes out of the, we talked about this a couple weeks ago. But he comes out from the, from the 40 days of fasting. And he comes out in the power of the Holy Spirit. And he preaches his first message. He goes to the hometown of Nazareth, and he preaches his first message. I can remember preaching my first message, right? And if I would have experienced what Jesus experienced, I can tell you what, I would not be standing here unless God showed up and did something miraculous. But in Luke chapter 4, it says this. After Jesus stood me, he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to to heal the brokenhearted, to set the captives free. And he says, this is fulfilled in your hearing, right? He stands up and makes this declaration. And then this is how the whole town of Nazareth, his friends all gathered around to hear him in the temple. and And this is what they did. So all those in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath and rose up and thrust him out of the city. Might throw him down over the cliff. Then passing through the midst of them, he went on his way. How would we react in that situation? How would you react in that situation? Isn't that amazing? That Jesus could even fulfill everything that he did after having that experience that kicked off his ministry? 
And it gets even better because not only was he rejected by his hometown, right? All the people that knew him were raised with him, friends and family. Then he goes on, and in John chapter 7, it says this. Now the Jews' feast of tabernacles was at hand. And his brothers therefore said to him, Depart from here and go into Judea, that your disciples also may see the works that you are doing. For no one does anything in secret while he himself seeks to be known openly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. For even his brothers did not believe in him. So he's rejected by his hometowns. Now he's rejected by his brothers, family members, raised with Jesus, right? I mean, this is like family. And they reject Jesus. They don't believe in his identity. They don't believe in his purpose. They think they, they challenge and they question his motives, right? So he's rejected by his hometown. Now he's rejected by his brothers. And then it continues, even goes up another, uh, even further, and in Matthew chapter 9, the, the famous, the most famous church leaders stand up and make this declaration. So the one thing we got to understand is that these church leaders are, are, are the, the famous people, right? I mean, these are the people that everyone looks up to, right? It's not, you know, they didn't have like singers and, and songwriters and actors and basketball players and I mean you know what I mean like those kind of people these were it these were the famous people of Israel right everyone wanted to be the Pharisees and the Sadducees and in the in the religious leaders of the community and so they make this declaration about Jesus but the Pharisees said he cast out demons by the ruler they call him a demon they call him they said he's 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 Satan this is Satan in the flesh so the church, the church of that time, the religious church rejects Jesus. The religious church, the religious community rejects Jesus. Now this one hits really home with a lot of people in, the, in this community because I see a lot of people here that have been rejected by the church. Right? The church has said your gifts are not valued here. Your talents are not appreciated here. You don't have value in this community. You don't belong in leadership, right? And the church has stood up. These famous, these leaders have stood up and rejected us. They've rejected our identity. They've rejected our value. And they've re rejected our assignment. And that hurts, right? That's not easy. God's people rejecting us. So he's rejected by his hometown, his friends. Rejected by his brothers, his family. Rejected by the most famous church, church leaders and church organization. They reject him. And then it even, it, it even escalates even further than that. In John 13, it says this, When Jesus had said these things, he was troubled in spirit. It says that he was troubled in spirit. Now, I love this about Jesus, okay? Because what this, this, this scripture is about when Judas betrays Jesus. All right? Judas betrays Jesus. And he says he's troubled in spirit. It's like, 
not that rejection should not grieve us, right? He's struggling with this emotion. He's, he, but he's grieving about the loss. He's not grieving that he's not valued or that he's not loved or he doesn't have a destiny and a purpose. He's grieving because he's about to lose his best friend, one of his closest friends. So he's troubled in spirit, and he testified and said, most assuredly I say to you, one of you will betray me. So Jesus is rejected by one whom he loved and he poured himself into. Listen, right? Three years, every meal together for three years. I mean, they walked every day together. They, they slept next to each other, right? I mean, everywhere they went, they were together, right? Doing life together for three years. Just think about that. The intimacy, the closeness, the relationship, right? They were brothers. Oh, he's pouring himself. He's teaching. He's training. He's ministering. He's serving. This one person, he's, 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 he's releasing vision and calling into each one of them, affirming them. And this one who's closest to him, Judas, betrays him and rejects him. Many of us have been rejected by friends, right? People that close. How would we react in that situation, right? What would we do? How would it impact our future and our life and our identity and how we see ourselves? I mean, he's rejected by his hometown. He's rejected by his brothers. He's rejected by the church. He's rejected by the friends that he's closest with. And then all of this culminates, all right, at the cross when he's publicly rejected by the politicians and the Jewish leaders and the soldiers. And in all of this rejection, how does Jesus respond? Forgive them, Father. I mean, sometimes we like go, wow, Jesus. I mean, I would dare say that none of us has experienced this much rejection. I mean, not any person in this room, we've never been rejected at this level. Publicly shamed, right? At the cross. And he says, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. How would we react in these situations? Recently, Kim and I were... um, we have this Airbnb at our house and, and uh, just kind of talking about reactions and being rejected and stuff. I, was, um, I went to Kim. I get, we get this kind of weird phone call. A family of six, they're like going to be homeless. And, you know, they're, they're, they're about to lose their apartment. Something happened with it. And they were desperate and they needed a place to stay. And we're like, what should we do? I don't know. We should do the Jesus thing. That's what we should do. And so we open up. We're like, yeah, sure, come. So they come down from Middletown. Kim cleans up the place, and we get it all ready for him. And we're not going to charge anything. Just go ahead. You got it for the week. And um, we told them explicitly when they needed to leave because we did have some people coming in. But at least it would buy them some time so they could figure things out. And they even needed some food, and so we went and got them some food because <laughs> they were struggling. And, um, and they get there and, and throughout the week and never say thank you. You know, they um, trash the place. They trashed it. And, I mean, it was, it was tough. And I can tell you, 
I'm mad and I'm frustrated and I'm not reacting like Jesus did. <laughs> I can say that much, right? I don't know about you, but I was just like, I, I was like, get them out of here, you know? That was what I was screaming. I wasn't saying, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. How did Jesus do this? How did he maintain and fulfill every calling and purpose? How did he walk so victoriously in the midst of all of this rejection? That's what we should be asking ourselves. So that we can follow in his footsteps, right? Remember, we talked about Jesus walked this earth. He was the son of man. Right? He, 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 he put aside his divinity, and he took on flesh, and he walked, and he was tempted in every way that we were tempted. And he has all the same emotions like we're having. And we're called. He is the picture of how we're called to walk out our uh, being new creations in Christ, filled with the Holy Spirit, empowered by him to walk out our identity, to walk out our assignment here as we live out our days, to bring forth the kingdom. This is what I see in Jesus. Jesus was outwardly rejected by the world. Listen to this. He was outwardly rejected by the world. But rejection could not inwardly touch his identity. It could not touch his identity of acceptance with the Father. He was outwardly rejected. By the world, he was rejected. But that rejection never could touch the inside of who he was, of his identity and his, his, of love and acceptance in the Father's arms. None of, nothing could ever touch that from the outside. He was perfectly set. He was 100% loved and accepted in the Father's arms. He was rooted and grounded in the love of the Father. And that rejection could no way change his, his identity or his destiny. See, Jesus' faithfulness to stand firmly in his identity in the face of rejection, it served to strengthen him in his acceptance in the Father and sever all ties of the fear of man. Because that's the issue. That's the issue. It's the fear of men. It's the longing for approval from people on the outside. It's getting our identity from what people say, what people think, how people react to me as a person. That we allow that to define us. We allow that to shape our destiny and our identity. Do you see that? See, others' thoughts and actions toward me do not, cannot define me. Nothing can change my acceptance in the Father's arms. Nothing can change that. Nothing can touch that. It's impossible unless we let that, unless we give permission to whatever comes our way, whatever, whatever rejection, whatever words are declared, whatever circumstances come our way, if we choose to believe or to receive it, that's the only way it can come in and touch me. It's, Jesus was like kind of like a watered off the duck's back. 
Run at every rejection, water off the duck's back. And that's how we're called to walk victoriously. We need to stop seeking acceptance and approval from others and go to God to define us for our love and acceptance. See, Jesus knew this. He knew that any rejection of his identity and his greatness and his destiny is not his problem, but it's, it's a sin problem. He knew that it wasn't a problem with him. It was a problem with them. And I'm not, he didn't, obviously, this is not condemning. This is not a condemnation. This is just truth. Nothing you say can change my identity. Nothing in my love and acceptance. Change my destiny and my calling and my purpose and my love and acceptance. And he knew that. And he lived that out and he walked it out. Jack Frost had a saying. He said that hurt people, hurt people, not, not Jack Frost like, Ice Jack Frost or whatever. He was actually a real, he was a pastor that uh, Kim and I spent a lot of time with and, and uh, he ministered a lot to us. But he said that hurt people hurt people and they hurt people in the same way that they've been hurt. Hurt people hurt people and they hurt them in the same way that they've been hurt. So if they've been rejected, what are they going to do? They're going to reject. That's just natural. It's, a na- it's human nature, right? It's a part of the sin nature is to hurt people. And to hurt them in the same way that they've been hurt. And Jesus understood this. And he said, forgive them, Father, for they know know not what they do. So we must see others as made in the image of God. This is so important, and we never let anything change that. That we always see people made in the image of God. Right? And we don't react out of anger towards them. In fact, there, should be, there needs to be a holy fear and a holy reverence, right? I, I, I'm, this is something that has to change for us to walk victorious is we have to see people. We have to value people as made in the image of God. This is an astounding statement. I heard Bill Johnson say this, and I just wanted to kind of, this Bill Johnson quote, he was asked why he never says anything to negative, negative about others who criticize him. He gets a lot of criticism. I mean, he gets a lot of rejection from the church. He gets a lot of rejection. If you know anything about Bill Johnson, and, and uh, stirs up a lot of controversy in a good way. He says this, I fear Jesus in them that I would speak badly about someone made in the image of God that is so valued by God that Jesus died for them and that I would betray them as something less valuable than that. I fear how God would deal with a person who would betray the people made in the image of God. We need to learn to value people and to respond like Jesus did. He said, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. And that's the reality. A lot of the people that reject us, they know not what they do. They don't understand. If they understood, they wouldn't be rejecting us. For Jesus, Jesus, it is impossible for his acceptance and righteousness to be affected by someone's rejection of him. 100% of Jesus' value and self-worth 
is predicated on his father's acceptance. Therefore, no rejection by any person can affect his identity, his joy, his purpose, his assignment, his value, his self-esteem. All of that rooted and grounded 100% in the father. When the father said, you are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased, that, that is what Jesus received. That's what Jesus accepted. That's who defined him right there. And nothing or, and, or no one could change that. See, if, if rejection is impacting us, listen, and this, I have to sit down, I have to get real with everyone in this room, all right? I know, this is tough. Everybody take a deep breath. Because I'm serious. If, if I want to talk about walking victoriously, and I'm not going to pull any punches. I'm going to lay it out there just like, because we're called to what? Walk as Jesus walked and do what Jesus did, right? And to follow in his footsteps. And so we can't pull any punches. We have to know exactly what the word says and follow after it and do what he did. If rejection impacts us, it is because we have agreed with it. We have agreed with it. And we've allowed it to have power in our lives. The only way rejection can have any place in our life is because we've agreed with it and we've allowed it. See, if rejection is having impact in our life, it's not their problem. That means it's my problem. Because I'm the one that agreed with it. I'm the one that gave it place. I'm the one that gave it room. And I've allowed it to stick and to define my identity and my destiny. If rejection is impacting me, that means 100% of my acceptance and identity is not rooted and grounded in the Father's love. I'm looking for approval out here instead of receiving and walking in the approval of my Father. And the righteousness that he purchased for me on the cross. He paid the price so that I could be free of rejection and a new creation in him. Listen, Paul said it this way in, in Romans. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. Come on. Nothing can separate us unless what? Unless we allow it. Unless we give it permission. This is victorious living. This is what victorious living looks like. And we need to own this, right? 
We need to quit pointing the finger and start blaming others and start taking responsibility and saying, you know what, I don't agree with that. I'm, I'm rejecting that rejection. I'm not going to believe that lie any longer. I'm going to believe what the Father says about me, that I'm his, his, I'm his beloved son. I'm his beloved daughter in whom he is well pleased. Now, there is a spirit of rejection. I, I mean, there are spirits that we battle against, okay? And we oftentimes, there, there are things, right? We can, how does the spirit of rejection come upon us? We get rejected. We receive that. There's a stronghold of thought that is built up in our minds, and the spirit of rejection can come and inhabit. He can come in and inhabit that dwelling place in our lives so that it's, we're constantly being harassed by this spirit of rejection. I know because I've been there. I've, I've experienced that. I know what harassment feels like from the spirit of rejection. So there's a reality in deliverance and being set free from a spirit of rejection. There is a reality in that, all right? And sometimes we need prayer, right? We is, what does this say? It says that those who believe, they will heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons, right? So sometimes demons need to be cast out. But th- I, I really think that that's honestly the easy part. <laughs> Jesus told a story about a, a, a man, and, and it was a kind of a parable thing, and he said, you know what? Cast out demons, and then the demons go away, right? And then he comes back, and he finds the house clean and in order. He finds the stronghold, the dwelling place where he was at in that person's life, clean and in order, and it wasn't dealt with. It should have been removed. It should have been replaced with, with right thinking and truth, but it was never tra- changed and transformed, and it was still there. So what happens? He goes and gets more demons and brings them into him. He said the latter part is worse than the first. The stronghold has to get dealt with. Second Corinthians says this, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds, casting it down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So I can cast out that demon. you got a spirit of rejection. We can deal with that. We can get that out. But only you, right, you can get help on this, but only you can believe the word of God. And this is where it gets real and it gets really, it gets down to earth because this is the real, I can serve you, I can love you, I can pasture you, I can give to you, I can have prophecy over you, I can encourage you, I cannot believe for you. I cannot believe for you. Only you. And how did Jesus respond? It is written, it is written, it is written. We have to transcend the word of God above every emotion, every situation, every circumstance, every feeling, everything that we're experiencing. The word of God must transcend that. It's the same way that you got saved. It's the same way that you gave your heart to Christ. You said, I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord and I believe what? In my heart that God raised him from the dead and you shall be saved. And that's, that's a continuous thing. That's a continuous thing. 
So only you can believe the word of God. Only you can believe the word of God and receive it like a little child. That's what Jesus talks about, receiving it like a little child. How do we overcome the pain of rejection? And listen, rejection's painful. It's painful. I'm not telling, I'm not saying don't feel pain. Jesus was what? He, w- he was grieved in his spirit. He was troubled in spirit because Judas was about to reject him. I'm not saying don't feel. I'm not saying any of that. I'm just saying that don't allow that to control your identity or your destiny. Ever, 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 ever. Listen, correction, if correction is correction, correction should be like propelling us into our destiny. It should be propelling us into our identity, right? Rejection does just the opposite. So how do we overcome the pain of rejection? Just, I got four things for you, just real quick. And this is, these are things that you can do, okay? Things, these are just practical things, and then we'll close with this. We'll have some, some worship together. First, you need to recognize. We need to recognize when my joy, my identity, my value, my purpose are rooted in others instead in the Father. You need, to, you need to recognize this. You need to recognize when others and how they look at you and what they do to you, right, is stealing joy, is defining your value. It's defining your identity. It's defining your purpose or your destiny. You need to recognize that. You need to see that, right? You need to recognize that. You also, as a part of that, if you experience rejection, is you need to recognize that hurt people hurt people. And a lot of times they don't know what they're doing, right? That helps us in that process, that forgiveness process. Is we recognize in ourselves when our joy is being taken away and also recognize when hurt people are hurting people. So the first, thing, first step is to recognize. The second step is to repent. We need to repent renounce any lie that we believe about my acceptance and identity and and destiny right anywhere any acceptance right of of rejection we need to renounce that right we need to take authority against that we have authority to tear down strongholds right taking every thought captive to the obedience of christ right that's that's the authority that we have that's the power those are the those are the weapons of our warfare and so we repent, all right? We tra- change our thinking. That's basically what metanoia means. It, 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 repent is to change the way we think, to change how we think, to, to create new habit structure of thought around in that area. So we need to tear down the stronghold, tear down every brick, right? We need to tear it down, tear it down. Repenting is the tearing down, but the building up part is the renewing. It's the renewing of my mind in truth. A lot of my, I'll be honest, a lot of my quiet time, I'm spending reading scripture on my identity, reading scripture on who I am, reading scripture about the Father's love, right? Reading these scriptures, I have to get them inside of me, or the enemy's going to tear me apart. Listen, this is the thing. You guys remember the wall of Nehemiah, right? You remember the wall. 
Anybody remember the Raise your hand if you know. All right, got to get a little action in there. Make sure everyone's still awake. The wall of Nehemiah, right? It was torn down. The enemies can attack the city. But then what did Nehemiah come along and do? They built it back up, and no enemies could get in. That's what, that's what we, we need to see. The reality is, is this, is just like a lies can create a stronghold or a habit structure that can invite the enemy to come into our minds, if we tear that down, we can build that up like a wall, and it'll be, become a fortress in our thinking that our joy will never change, no matter what the circumstance, no matter what happens, that we're just rooted and grounded in the Father's love. We can build up a habit structure of thinking that the enemy cannot come in any longer. And I see this all the time in, in believers. And we're like, oh, and I'm not saying that there's not attacks. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying that, our, the, that we have no joy and we have no peace. And, we, and all of this is constantly being shipwrecked. Why? Because we have no wall of structure around our thinking that has the truth of what God says about us. Rooted and grounded there. I had to get a little excited about that one. We have to build up this wall, this habit structure of thinking so that no rejection can ever touch us, can never change our destiny and our purpose and our identity. We have to shift the blame and take responsibility for how we think. Because listen, if anything, you get anything about the cross, the cross is about freedom. You're completely free. With him and in his love, so we, must, so we must recognize, right, when we have lies that are stealing our joy, stealing our peace, confusing our identity and value in him. Repent and renounce any lies. Renew our mind with truth. Soak and saturate our mind with what Father says about us. It is written, it is written, it is written. Listen, if you have a negative emotion, acknowledge that emotion. I feel this. Father, I feel this. This is what I'm feeling. Great. What does the word of God say? It says this. Lord, I'm confessing this truth. I'm declaring this truth over me. Right? I'm not rejected. I'm accepted in the beloved. I'm firmly established. I'm seated with Christ in heavenly places. Right? And we renew our mind with truth. And then the fourth thing, which, is, which we can't dive into, but I think everyone kind of understands this, but we must forgive. We must forgive. And forgiveness, right? We must, that person that has rejected us or that group of people that have rejected us. Listen, I've experienced a lot of rejection, right? I mean, I'll be honest. I mean, I haven't, while I've been here, been like wonderfully accepted in the Christian community. I don't mean, I'm just talking about the reality of that, okay? They weren't like, oh, yes, John's here. He's got a vineyard. This is awesome. And they're filled with the Holy Spirit, and they speak in tongues, and they do all this kind of, whoa, all this kind of crazy things, right? That's why, they don't, that's why they reject me right there. Right? Listen, I'll give you one last story, and I just want you to think about this. We must forgive. 
let's, let's assume hypothetically for a moment that you guys get a little group together. I might, this, I might be planning ideas here. This might be interesting. But let's say Josh and the leaders get all together, and, I'm, and they're like, you know what, John? You're not the pastor. Out. Okay. Does that change my identity? Does that change my calling? Would I be still doing night watches? Would I be still reaching out to this community with all of my heart, praying for people, loving on people, reaching them with the gospel of Jesus Christ? If I can't answer yes, then this is just a religious thing that I'm doing up here. This is just a religious thing. I mean, I'm just a bunch, this is just a bunch of religion, right? I need a platform to, I need a platform to d- identify myself. Right? That's, what, that's what it's saying is I need a platform. Do, I, do you need a platform until th- th- to establish your identity to a, and to live out your calling? If you do, then you're, you're disqualified. What qualifies us is just living out no matter what the circumstance is. It's the Mother Teresa mindset. It's like I'm going to love this one right here with this disease like I love Jesus. And I'm going to go to the next one. I'm going to love this one right here like I love Jesus. And I don't need a platform for it because this is my platform. This is my stage because I'm living for what? I'm living for an audience of one. And I don't care what anybody else thinks. Amen. Why don't the worship team come back up here? heavy in this room sorry but we have to we have to walk in truth right we have to be serious about living victorious we got to be serious about living victorious thank you let's stand up let's stand up kim can you get the kids and take care of the lights there and yes Gosh, I'm excited about what God's going to do. Hallelujah. Lord, we love you. Thank you for setting us free from the spirit of rejection. From every demonic stronghold, Lord. You paid the price at the cross. You so valued us. You said we're so valuable that you died for us. God, thank you that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And nothing can change that. Thank you that we're, lo- we're, we're, we're so accepted in the beloved, Lord Jesus. We just so, God, that you don't show favor. You're not a God of, that shows favoritism. God, that, that your love is perfect towards each one of us, that each one of us is unique and different and have different giftings and callings, but, but you love the uniqueness of every person in this room. Some of us need to repent of rejecting ourselves. Listen, when you find out what, why you've been created and what you've been created for, you wouldn't want to be anybody else. You get so excited about being you, you're like, I don't want to be John. I don't want to be Josh. I don't want to be Debbie. I want to be me. I'm excited about being me. Some of us need to, there needs to be a release and an excitement because I just knocked my thing off my but there's a release of excitement about being you and about who you are.
So, Father, we release that today. God, the excitement of being your creation, the excitement of being loved, the excitement of the joy that you have in us. Release that today. Come, Holy Spirit, as we worship. We love to to dine with you, Lord. In Jesus' name.